these are the predominant representation of everything on Unix. How are they scattered around? That's what we're going to see today. I'm Vinam and you're listening to The Nixers Podcast. The file system is represented as a rooted tree of directories where the root is denoted by the slash character. And when you're specifying that a file or directory is under another, then you use also the slash character as a separator. For example, if you have slash bin slash init, then it's a file under the root directory, which is under the bin directory. Everything is under that slash. It doesn't matter if it's a hard disk, a network card, or your favorite game, they're all somewhere under that root. And there are three main file types, ordinary files, directories, and special files such as devices and virtual files. However, the Unix directories don't literally contain those files, instead they contain their names and pair them with the reference to their inode number, which contains the file and its metadata. That explains why we can have links hard and soft. With that in mind, what was the original layout and directory structure under the root and the original Unix version? Let's review that layout from the original Unix programmer's manual man page of the here, which denotes the hierarchy. And you can get that from the show notes. So slash is the root, slash dev it's for devices, slash bin it's for utility programs, slash lib it's for object libraries and other stuff, slash etc is for essential data and dangerous maintenance utility, and slash tmp temporary files usually on a fast device, and last but not least slash user which is general purpose directory usually a mounted file system. So there are in total 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 directories under the root. Dev, bin, lib, etc, tmp, and user. And this seems highly minimal compared to what we currently have. So where does all those new directories come from and why were they added? And let's first blame someone by digging into who's in control of the current standards. Amongst all the Unix standards out there, such as the single Unix specification and stuffs from the open group, the one that holds the hierarchy is the, is the file system hierarchy standards. Uh, as an acronym, we're, we're going to refer to it as FHS. And it's under the governance of the Linux Foundation, at least for the moment. And like all standards, it's meant as a guideline and it doesn't have to be followed thoroughly. It's just a reference. And until today, there are only Linux distribution adhering to it. And thus, the BSDs and other Unix-like variants don't necessarily preach its words. So what are they trying to achieve and how? So they want to predict the location of installed files and directories to make it less chaotic by specifying what every area of the system should contain and the principles behind every one of those directories under the root and the minimum number of files and directories, requirements, etc. 
So let's unpa unpack that idea of principle behind directories. They wrote down standards for every one of those directories that should appear under the root. One of the distinctions they put forward is the one between shareable and unshareable static and variable directories. Typically, everything under slash var is in variable size. Slash user and slash opt are shareable, and everything else is unshareable and static. Following that logic, slash user and slash opt can be left out of a system, and the remaining content should be enough to boot, restore, recover, and or repair the system. That's the theory, anyway. Now let's jump into the real deal. What are they prescribing we should definitely have under the root directory and what are they mentioning that is special about those specific directories? Let's say here that instead of the original six directories we just mentioned in the section earlier, there is no 14 directories. That's eight brand new directories under the root. Let's go over the minimum prescribed directories that are required under the roots by the FHS. So first of all there's the bin which is for essential command binaries and they even have a list of must-have commands under the directory such as cat, copy, date, dd, kill, ls, etc. The usual stuff that corresponds one-to-one -one with system calls. So that's for bin. Now boot. Remember that there wasn't a boot before in the original Unix, and that is for static files of the bootloader. It was actually there before, but not as a directory, but as a file. And you might have wondered where it was booting from in the original Unix without that directory. So that explains it. Now that's for boot. Device slash dev. It's for device files, same as the original Unix. ETC. It's for host-specific system configuration. lib, it's for essential shared libraries and, and kernel modules. slash media, it's for mount point for removable media. slash mnt, it's mount point for mounting a file system temporarily. slash opt, add-on application software package. slash run, data relevant to running processes. slash sbin, essential system binaries. slash srv, data for services provided by the system. slash tmp, temporary files. Again, the same thing as the original Unix. Slash user secondary hierarchy. Slash var, variable data. Why did all those new directories appear? What the heck happened? Aren't we supposed to be minimalist? Where does that come from? Where did all those new directories spurt out from? all because of an infectious aging process that slowly started in the early Unix days. Remember the six directories on the root and the original Unix? Well, there's something that needs to be mentioned. If you notice, there's no slash home. So where did the home directory go? Slash user, the general purpose directory, was in fact where the directory was stored. It meant user, as in user, and not Unix system resources. This started because there was not enough size on the medium to store the directories that grew fast such as the user directory, and thus slash user was mounted on a separate file system. Early on the biggest binaries were moved to that separate file system, both because they weren't essential to boot the system and because they ran out of space on the first medium. 
That was when the slash user bin, slash user lib, and slash user tmp were introduced, all of them non-essential for the minimal system but still needed by users. This notion of splitting across several places became inherent. After Unix got a bit popular outside of the Bell Labs, people wanted to install their own utilities without infringing on the default installation. That means keeping their custom programs while they can update the whole system by itself. And thus they introduced another split under slash user, the user local, which contains a replica of the higher hierarchy, user local bin and user local lib. Yet again another split happened when independent software vendors wanted to offer their packages. They didn't want to interfere with users and they didn't want to mess the whole install and thus place their packages on their user local vendor. As yet another replica of the hierarchy, user local vendor bin, user local vendor lib. That's a lot of replica for of the same hierarchy in multiple places. So that's about user slash user, but there are many other directories that appeared. Let's talk about slash var, where did, where did this come from? We talked about variable size directories, right? And about problems with disk space. This is where I'm going at. The log directory, the spool, the tmp directories were all under slash user before, but because they grew in size, they were moved to a brand new directory under the root slash var, so that it could be placed under another disk. Size was a really big issue at the time. It brought more schism in the hierarchy. Having slash user on another disk and moving the binaries wasn't creating enough space to store the programs, so they had to do yet another directory under the root. Anyway, another thing with commercial vendors happened. They suddenly wanted to leave behind the slash user local vendor hierarchy and move it to slash var slash opt because it, because it gave them the flexibility to offer packages that couldn't be shared across multiple machines incidentally because slash user was shared. Also those packages were more or less optional. Think of it like a local repository of proprietary packages. Soon enough vendors thought insidiously that it would be better to store all those packages under slash opt instead, bringing yet another directory under the root. In the same manner, because of the new clutter created, new directories started to appear under root. For example, home directory, which was originally slash user, and now it and it's independent under the root. The slash user had now become too crowded for what it was originally designed for. Isn't that ironic? And the fancy name Unix System Resources or Unix Source Repository are all made up names and it's too late to rename them anyway. And by the way, you can still install packages in your home directory, you just have to install them under the, the .local and put settings into .config. And more and more artificial justifications appeared and people are now following them. That's just one reason why the FHS exists, to formalize those, those nebulous ideas we have about those places on our system. It's legacy mixed with pompous new creative and destructive ideas. 
So if you ask yourself where you should install your stuff or where you should look for when searching for specific things, you better take a look at the FHS because you indeed need a standard to be able to make sense of this. The word didn't crumble, so what could be the issue? Well, we've been stacking problems, piling them up years after years, so it might someday eventually if we don't manage the mess. There are many arguments on the current issues with the hierarchy, so let's go over them. One of them was already mentioned at the end of the previous section, the confusion that this iterative dichotomy has brought. The hierarchy has experienced a continuously increasing entropy on multiple scales, Starting from the hierarchy of the original Unix 7th edition, everyone has put their hands on it. So it's hard to know where to place your executable because we are saturated with different valid contestants for this place. The confusion has another catalyst and that is legacy. The history of slash user alone is mind-boggling. It was first the user directory then separated to another desk to host big stuff, then the home directory was removed from it and now it's vaguely, if even used as a directory hosted on another partition. And thus, they had to reintroduce this concept by creating slash user share, which would be the share directory for multiple architectures. And again, this new directory under user is not commonly shared amongst, amongst machines, bringing more questions about ex its existence. On the topic of questioning the current existence of some directories, many others are criticized. For example, the issue with size aren't relevant as of today. And thus the distinction between user bin and bin and others is minimal. And so far as booting with a minimal rescue system is concerned, it doesn't make sense today either, as we can boot from external medium to rescue a system. Moreover, having multiple binaries and multiple places poses the issue of not knowing if you are invoking the right programs at the right time, as there can be many copies of the execut executable under different places. It obviously also brings three obvious problems. Simplicity, maintainability and flexibility, which are at stakes. Okay, it's not that great, but are there alternatives? There are some distributions such as Morpheus Linux and Sabotage Linux that try to stay true to the original Unix spirit. Morpheus Linux is maintained by the guys at suckless.org, so it's peer-reviewed by person that take that topic at, at heart. Sabotage Linux takes the approach a bit differently by completely omitting the user and sbin directories. There's also those that take the time to review the concept and reshape it, make it more reflective of what we need today, bring it to date. I could find two of those projects, Object Root and Gobo Linux, each of them redefining the hierarchy of the file system while at the same time re retaining backward compatibility, which sounds awesome. Gobo Linux has longer user-friendly names for the directories, for instance, executables are all stored under slash programs, and under slash programs there are subdirectories for the programs that stores them by versions. One thing to notice with Gobo Linux is that 
it only has six directories under the root, just like the original 7th edition. They are the following, depot, mount, system, files, programs, and users. Also, it was created by the guy that wrote htop and lua rocks, so it's cool. Object root is another approach. While Gobo Linux is a Linux distribution, object root is more of a new set of rules, easier to apply on current distribution. It's just a concept, a standard sort of like. It has five directories under the root and they are slash host for operating system instances, slash org for application and system software, and slash users, users home directory. And optionally, it has slash boot, the second stage bootloader, and slash mnt, temporary mounted file system. So slash boot and slash mnt are optional, so that makes only three essential directories. That seems minimal, so why is that? Slash users is pretty obvious to understand, but what about the others? Slash org, the application and system software, contains shareable softwares between machines. And slash host, the operating system instances, brings the concept of distributed computing. It contains subdirectories with specific files for every machine. So for example, slash host slash self being the machine you are sitting at. And under that directory you have the typical stuff, bin, etc, etc. If you want to know more about those different hierarchies, just take a look at the show notes and you can find their respective websites. And I urge you to do that. It's, it's different than what you usually have, obviously. That's about it. You're now enlightened about the dark history of the Unix hierarchy of today. There's not, there's not much you can do about it, though. The least you could possibly do is to take a look at the FHS and following the standards. And a good thing to mention here is that most Unix variants have their own here man page, hierarchy man page. And they're pretty similar, minus the little details. So stick to them, stick to that. Also, don't get the bright idea of splitting stuffs into new directories under the root. Just know, don't do that, stop that. It just won't make it easier. No, no, don't do that. That's a bad, 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 bad idea. And will we ever learn not to do that? I don't know. So that's about it for this episode. Let's move to the section where we will talk about what we did last week and what we did this week. Last week, the podcast was about Unix signals. We talked about this infamous system call. So check it if you don't know about signals. They're a bit hard to grasp, but uh, once you get the hang of it, it's okay. But just don't do signals for IPC. Anyway, this week I was checking a project by The Lost on uh, Nixers. He's part of the Nixers community. He started to write a book about uh, Unix rising. It's on GitHub. And I really like the idea of iterative writing, iterative writing. So it's when a group of people get together and uh, do some uh, iterations to write and, and, and make the, the book more pompous and more easily readable, more technically right, because that's the, the wisdom of the crowd. As far as contributing is concerned, uh, I left a link for, for contribution and helping ideas on the forums and the same thread of the weekly podcast. So just, just check it out if you want to contribute. There are many ways. 
check it. That's about it for this episode and I want to say thanks to Cron Studio for their amazing music that I'm most most of the time using for the podcast. And they're pretty good and chill, so check them out. It was Vinam for the Nixers podcast. <laughs>